politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots yearning to breathe free again and just be left alone to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house today, Wednesday, November 10th. And there is no better day to fight for liberty. Every day is a good day. Every day we don't do it. We are losing time, and we're losing that time quite rapidly. A couple of notes. First of all, yesterday's show, show number 989, um, that was Tuesday's show with Dr. David Weissman. Uh, First of all, I do apologize for the humming sound. I think we got rid of it. Uh, Just some of the cables were messed up. Um, But nonetheless, do power through that. It was an hour and a half show, one of our longest ever. Most of it was Dr. David Weissman, an expert on producing clinical trials. He's done that for J&J before when he used to work for them. He literally goes through how the data is falsified, and even their own data shows that their conclusions are wrong, completely made up, and they just get away with it. They just get away with it. So make sure to listen to that show. That will arm you with so much information. Listen to it. Um, in slow motion because he talked very quickly just to get out all the info and uh, that way you could stop it and go through the source material that he's citing find it online you should be able to find it uh, through searching and that you will be armed with um folks we're, we're gonna start getting into the primary season okay like i said The upcoming primaries are truly the most important elections of our lifetime, and the upcoming special sessions and regular sessions in the legislature are the most important sessions of our lifetime. So there's elections. Which ones are important? The primaries. Because that's really what's going to matter, whether you get someone who's an oligarchy or non-oligarchy. The two parties in a general election generally don't matter. Number two, these sessions, that's a vote every day. We have our North Dakota team um, doing a great job. Uh, I'll let you know by, by tomorrow what happens. They have a special session now. There are bills to ban vaccine mandates as well as bills to protect uh, people in the hospital right to try. There's legislation um, making pharmacists uh, uh, liable to dispense any FDA drug that is prescribed by a licensed physician. They have stuff protecting ivermectin. So a lot of important bills on the docket there, this is very important. If we had enough people really fighting, we would make it that either they always have to do our will or they lose the primary because we are the majority in those states. I know the special interests control everything, but we are the majority of voters in those states. Florida is kind of teetering. Um, you know, I'm not clear. It's not clear yet how much the legislature is going to water down the governor's proposal. But that's something we have to make sure doesn't happen. I already don't like some things, but you know, if if it doesn't get watered down more, it still is worth passing it. We'll talk about that as well at a later date. Um, one of the greatest pieces of news that I'm very pumped about. Look, I've really been down on Donald Trump lately and some of his policies and promoting the shots and his endorsements of rhinos. But he atoned for his endorsements by making the boldest endorsement probably that he's ever made. I cannot believe it. I don't know how she pulled it off. But Trump did announce he endorsed Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan in a primary against sitting incumbent Governor Brad Little in Idaho. This is truly one of the most important races. Everything we want to do, she already did by becoming governor for a single day as lieutenant governor, when the governor was out of town, obviously he reversed it. But again, that she has, she probably has the biggest heart and the sturdiest spine I've seen of any conservative. Um, you know, she needs help, you know, putting together the campaign, but this really should make the difference. Um, if we can get her as governor of Idaho, that is really a game changer. So, Thank God Trump has come around. And and I just want to give you a sense of how much Trump could make a difference. It really doesn't have to be this way. If he were to endorse, and, and not just endorse, but make it known that he will endorse against these incumbents, then you'll have better candidate recruitment. 
right? A lot of the problems is we can't recruit a quality candidate because why would you go and run against an incumbent in a primary when your chances of winning are less than 1% historically? Trump is a game changer, so we need a lot more of this. We need a lot more of this. Why do we need more of this? So let me go through. I've hinted to this, but I want to discuss this more in long form today. Um, We'll try to get to some of the news of the day, but I want to make this a little bit more philosophical and more long-term action items. And that's this. The definition of insanity is repeating the same failed tactics over and over again, expecting a different result. We have been electing Republicans every time Democrats become president, and they've recently been winning big elections. Okay? And this is going to be no different. But the problem is they don't run on anything specific, so there's nothing to hold them accountable for. And they're just broad platitudes, so no one could distinguish the 10% patriot Republicans from the 90% duds. And most often it's the jerky ones who win because they have more money to say how bad Biden is, even though they're going to go and join with him. And nothing changes. Moreover, so not only don't we focus on primaries, we don't also in general, we don't focus on the state legislatures and the governors, and we focus on the same failed House and Senate. Let me just give you two points to show you how nothing will change if that's all we put our hope in. Mitch McConnell, this is from The Hill. Senator, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says that the bipartisan $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, which cleared Congress on Friday is and awaiting President Biden's signature, is a godsend for his state. He said the bluegrass state has a lot of infrastructure needs. I'm surprised we even got a she out of it. We have a lot of infrastructure needs, both in rural areas and big bridges. It's a godsend for Kentucky. So in case there were some of you who thought, well, it's only like 13 out of the 210 or so Republicans in the House who voted for it, but most Republicans opposed This is the GOP leader. This is the end game. This is the prize awaiting us at the end of this auspicious election season at the end of November and going into January 2023, which we can't even wait till then. Mitch McConnell will be Senate Majority Leader. The man who not just supports, but says Biden's signature legislative accomplishment that is going to turn infrastructure into health care, where they are going to control both the budget and the policy of transportation and freedom. And you can't imagine the stuff they're going to manipulate. They're going to create taxes on mileage traveled. They're going to create all sorts of cafe standards on cars out of it. You know, traveling the the roads is like the biggest freedom we have left in America relative to Europe and other countries. Cars, and now they're making cars a fortune, gas a fortune, uh, through all the manipulation. You have the CPI came out, the highest inflation in 31 years. Um, if you account for it, inflation is so bad that wages, if you account for inflation, have actually gone down 1.2% in a year. So people are earning less money based on the price of of inflation, the cost of living, I mean. And anyway, McConnell thinks that that is a godsend. Just like he thought that the shots are a godsend and like polio, and he suffered from it, and it's just like polio, and this is awesome, and you better get your shot. We're not anti-vax. What the heck? Um, He said, you know, the PREP Act and all the trillions we flushed, the very bills that have induced this supply chain crisis, the lockdowns and COVID fascism. Remember, we spoke about this last March and April. The governors could not have done a lockdown and we would not have embarked on this policy if Congress wouldn't have underwritten it with the trillions of dollars of bills and underwrote the fascism by exempting um, Gilead with Remdesivir and Pfizer and Moderna and J&J with the shots from all liability in the PrEP Act. McConnell said that they were the finest moments of the Senate. He compared them to the World War II legislation. On the issues that are the most radical, the most destructive, the most consequential, those are the issues that the GOP leaders promote and champion the most. 
Just vote Republican. Just win back the House and Senate. That's not going to cut it. You need to support people like, whether it's Don Huffines or Alan West against um, Abbott in Texas and and uh, Janice McGee against Little in Idaho. We need to get a guy like Chuck Gray to be willing to run. He's thinking about it against uh, Governor Gordon in Wyoming. We need someone to recruit. Uh, we might have someone um, uh, on our show in the coming weeks that's going to run against uh, Kay Ivey in Alabama. We need someone against Tate Reeves in Mississippi. We need a good challenger to support in Georgia. We need one in Tennessee against Bill Lee. You know, and you look at Arkansas. Super majority. Democrats get crushed in blue states. Asa Hutchinson is horrible. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She's running. She's got it coronated. She's going to easily win the primary, win the general election. She could not lose that seat. She could take any stance she wants. Because she has both the Huckabee name in Arkansas and being Trump's press secretary. Everyone knows that. And she has failed to take a stance. We know exactly where she's going to land. Now, folks, the only thing they've done for us, the only right we still have left, is the Second Amendment. Those of you looking for a firearm and ammo these days, you have to remember, self-defense begins with a proper gun belt and a proper holster. Too many people don't pay attention to that. And unlike guns and ammo, uh, holsters have not gone up, still starting at just 40 bucks. We the People Holsters make custom-molded, American-made holsters that fit your firearm exactly whatever firearm you have they have propriety clip designs that allow you to adjust both the cant and the ride go to we the people slash cr pick out uh edc tactical gun belt uh obviously one of their holsters and also get some of their good paraphernalia they have um some uh printed hoodies uh patriotic uh t-shirts Every holster gun belt come with a lifetime guarantee. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Additional 10 bucks off with offer code CR. That's wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Never let that perfect firearm go lonely without a perfect holster. So that's our challenge. How do we get the success we had with the gun issue? How do we get that to COVID fascism and other issues? And one of my points is that we need we need a big vision. One of the things I'm working on is obviously a pledge to never take money from Pfizer. That's number one. Got to cut those ties. But number two, I'm working on a new pledge to America. I think we need to recreate the magic of that 1994 contract with America with Newt Gingrich. But with a couple of nuances. That was mainly federal. This needs to be mainly state. That was to vet out Republicans versus Democrats. This needs to vet out the right people. So in other words, that event was held on the Capitol steps September 28th, right before the general election. This needs to be held at some other iconic place outside of Washington with gubernatorial and state legislative candidates and it needs to be done in January before the primaries really begin, the campaigns for the primaries begin. And we need to vet out who is whom. We need to distinguish our guys from their guys who wear the same jerseys. And it's got to be an aspirational document, but specific enough that a puke couldn't sign it. And then they'll be pressured and they'll be identified as such. This is what we need to do. This is my plan. And I'm just going to read to you right away the ideas on on COVID fascism, bodily autonomy, and freedom. Freedom from government experimentation. That is the issue of our time. We need a document that everyone signs onto that affirms the right of every citizen to move freely without being restrained or forcibly vaccinated or masked in violation of his bodily integrity. The right of every citizen to responsibly open their business without government deciding which ones are essential. The right of every citizen to worship freely during a declared emergency. The right of every American child to attend school without physical and psychological abuse. 
the right of every citizen to be shielded from government monitoring of his privacy. The right of citizens to have their state government shield them from any federal usurpations of unalienable rights. Right, This is what we talk about. We need nullification, interposition, legislation in every state that covers the gamut of every federal usurpation. The right of every citizen of this republic to travel freely across state lines. Although if we are going to have a national divorce, I'm willing to um, let that one go. The right of every citizen to access basic employment and goods and services without being forced to inject any medical device into their bodies. And the right of citizens to sue for damages resulting from injury from a particular medical device that is either funded by or promoted by government. One of the points that need to be made is this. We are all in favor of limited regulation. You want to produce crap? I, I am confident in the market. You know, you look at comments on products. It's the death knell if you get bad reviews. I'm, I'm fine with that. What, what has broken down with that is, see, as I like to say, you could have big government. I mean, it's bad. And you could have big pharma. But the two together is a lethal contraindication Kind of like taking, you know, aspirin while you're on Coumadin. Because the problem is, if you have big government that is subsidizing, marketing, promoting, cajoling, and eventually coercing to take that product, well, then that's a problem. If you have no regulatory safety net on it and they promote it, we're screwed. Now, I understand I'm, I'm a big fan and much of my career I've been you know, against overburdensome litigation and tort reform. And that was actually part of the contract with America, ironically, where you have the tyranny of frivolous lawsuits. So I'm fine with having limited liability. But here's where we draw the line. Any, this needs to be a principle that needs to be applied and the states need to step in where the feds don't. Any medical product that is not just approved, but while it's being approved, it is countenanced by our by the FDA, CDC, and NIH in any way, meaning it is endorsed, it is promoted, it is funded, endorsed in any way, certainly coerced, but that is another plank of our pledge, which will ban all mandates, obviously. But if it is endorsed in any way, because you know we have a problem here. You talked about, if you listened to yesterday's show, Forget about mandates. How many of these parents are lining up voluntarily to vaccinate their kids? And they, they don't know any better. At some point, it's de facto coercion when they censor and they control everything and there is no check and balance. You cannot have a product endorsed by government and there's no liability, much less coerced. That's, that's obvious. But even if it's endorsed, you need full liability without any caps. That's number one. Number two is you need to sign off. In order to sign off an approval, there has to be a third-party independent audit of the data and a condu conducting the trials that has to be proven completely severed from the government agencies and from the manufacturer. Again, I'm not saying I believe in that if you want to have any medical product approved. If it's you have a product approved that the government is taking a side on and is not just approving it, FDA approval, but affirmatively promoting and funding certainly in any way. That is a simple principle that we all need to rally behind, even without the mandates. That is a violation of the Nuremberg Code. So back to our pledge. Another point is we need, and, and this is going to juice up our turnout and juice up our candidates. So uh, another way to, um, you know, vet out the primaries is to try to get constitutional amendments. Now, the time clock is ticking, and some states are harder and take longer to get them on the ballot than others. But ideally, we would get it on the primary ballot during the primaries. So it means both, you know, both Democrats and Republicans would have it on their respective ballot lines um, rather than the general election. But 
you know, if, if not if all else fails, then at least general election. This is something the special sessions are coming up. We need language in every state constitution to affirm a bodily integrity right that everyone has the right to remain secure in their body with with freedom from any government coercion to take any medical product, device, injection, and so forth. Now, I know some of you might think, wait, does that create a right to abortion? No. Watch very carefully the way I worded it. Abortion, you're asking for a right to access a specific product or procedure or doctor or clinic. We are saying you have a freedom from. It's negative. I just want to be left alone. Now, I do think we need legislation on the right to ivermectin and the right to right right to try, but that's something you do statutorily. I don't want to put that in the Constitution because that's not really a fundamental right. It's a good policy, uh, not, not a fundamental right, but that is something we do need to push because the bottom line is the federal courts are all unanimous. They're wrong about it, but that there's no such right in the federal constitution. So we need to put it in the state constitutions. Okay, that needs to be very clear. That is one of the most important things we need to do. Um, many of you have seen Bill Gates is mouthing off again, and he, and he won't shut up about this is not the end, COVID is not the end, there's many more viruses. So he's basically publicly telling you what he's going to unleash upon us next. This is not going to go away. And why should it? Look look in the shoes. If you put yourself in the shoes of the left, more or less, I mean, actually a lot of Republicans do buy into it, but most Republican voters don't buy into global warming or any other other stuff. You look at this, and a good amount of, of, of our voters have bought into COVID fascism. I mean, I think it's weakening gradually over time, but when it mattered, I mean, you could have a supermajority area, and I know a lot of you send me messages, you know, you're in, you're in deep Trump counties, and, and everyone in church except for, you know, the person who emailed me is, is wearing a mask. So they were very smart. This is the issue that wore our people down. So we really need to work on this. So again, we need full bore, you know, legislation this coming session, running against coerced masking, vaccination, coerced testing and physical examination, participation in con- contract uh, contact tracing. Obviously, the involuntary sharing of any personal medical data by the government, any tracking, vaccine registries need to be abolished and expunged. Any forced quarantine of individuals who are not sick um, for any virus that's essentially, you know, if Ebola, you could do it, but anything that spreads respiratory, you know, through the air. Any decision that affects the rights of the citizens must be subject to a timely process for citizens to sue for access to that data that is driving the policy. These are the type of big picture things we need. And then in addition to that, we need all sorts of, we need states to have their own VAERS. We need states to have their own commission up, um, regulating and investigating uh, all this stuff. And then again, we need to make state legislatures great again. You cannot have an 1890s style part-time legislature with a full-time bureaucracy that is overseeing greater amount of money driving policy from the federal government than what the legislature is appropriating at a state level. We need the ability of states with a simple majority to get into session at any time without the support of the governor. We need them to have committee hearings, have it over Zoom or whatever, all year round oversight projects subpoenaing and demanding information and testimony from the respective departments of health and education. We need the people's representatives to begin governing. If you feel you need to increase their salary, I'm fine with doing that. You know, often they get paid $10,000, $20,000 a year. Make it a full-time salary. I'm fine with that. That's a fraction of the budget of what we're bankrupting ourselves 
without oversight. We need oversight. You can't have a Leviathan and an 1890s level legislature. You just can't do that. I'm sick of it. Well, Daniel, the answer is to reduce government. That's lovely, but that's not happening. I'm sick of that stuff. You got to work with where we are. Okay? You got to think strategically what is going to work now. These are all things that I am pushing privately, and I want to get together a conference of Freedom Caucus types in every legislature to get together and have this plan, this call to action. We need to run on a big picture restructuring, reorienting the state power to the legislature from the bureaucracies and from the courts too, by the way. It's not perfect. We're not going to win every time. But now we lose every time. Pfizer runs our, our government. The best thing we have are supermajority areas of our voters electing people every two years in a legislative process. That's the best you can do. It's not perfect. It is a lot better than the system we have now. So these are just some of the ideas. And then also, we need to countenance medical freedom. How could states tip the balance away from the systems to independent practice? Again, I don't like incentivizes picking winning winners and losers. But if the weight of the universe of funding and policy is towards the systems, how do we even up the score? We need to think about things like that. One of the obvious things is a lot of red states are still con states, C-O-N, called Certificate of Need, in order for an independent doctor to open up his own hospital to rival these clowns. It need, you need a commission to certify it. Do you know who's on that board? The incumbent hospital administrators. It's the most corrupt thing around. There's a lot of areas like that where we need to promote medical freedom so people like Peter McCullough and Ryan Cole could create in all 50 states, um, not just for COVID, but eventually for other things, where people could go and get science-based, compassionate medical treatment for a fair price. You know, probably has to go to a cash system eventually, but maybe we could create some sort of network sharing across state lines where you become a member for a, you know for an annual fee and you get unlimited access some sort of way, maybe a mixture of philanthropic you know, donations as well. And we're going to be talking about that in the coming days when we get Dr. Henson's clinic up. I'm going to ask all of you to donate to that. Um, these are the buddings of that idea. I am telling you, healthcare freedom is everything. Number one, because if we don't do it, they're literally going to keep killing us with these viruses and maltreatment. So the right to life at its basic sense it's not a, you know, we, everyone thinks right to life is only abortion for the unborn, and unborn are important, but the born are even more important, and we got to protect our born people. We can't lose sight of that, okay? And also, that is, I, I would tell you, unlike in our founding era, when Ju- Justice Joseph Story famously said that gun rights are the palladium of all liberties, it is no longer true. I will tell you healthcare freedom is the palladium of all liberties. And the reason is this. Back then, people weren't idiots. They weren't submissive. And they wouldn't go for any of this tyranny. The only tyranny you could induce upon them is coercion through force. So their idea was you match that force with force and you'll block it. Nowadays, A, we have a bunch of panty-waist people that are their brains and their resolve and their spirituality is worn down. So they go for all this stuff willingly. And then guns don't protect against it, A, because we willingly go along with it, and B, even if we fought the asymmetry of technology, there's no way you're, we're ever going to have enough firepower to battle the FBI if, if, if it ever came to that. Um, now, I do have ideas about state militias endorsed by the governors and the sheriffs and how to bring people in a sheriff's posse, and I think that's, that is, that's another idea I think we do need to run on and bring in to our, our agenda items. But Healthcare freedom is that's the palladium because what that has shown is that is our kryptonite. That is what is going to get all, everyone, including conservatives, particularly seniors, to go along with giving up their liberty. So we have to have an independent cadre of people giving medical advice, giving scientific advice, giving the truth, and also clinically treating people, not just on this. You know, I think 
I think we all know by now, we have been lied to about probably autism, what is causing a lot of this stuff. We're probably lied to, not as badly, but to a certain degree on other vaccines as well. Um, we need to start questioning that. We need to have independence on that. We've been lied to about cancer treatment, what causes it, what reduces your risks, what's the best way of treating it. I think very similar to the approach of COVID um, with, with defensive drugs like nitazoxanine and ivermectin, um, there's, it's not a coincidence why there's great academic literature on those two drugs working against cancer. Um, we need to reinvent that. Remember, this is 20% of our economy. This is what we blow, what is it, up to probably $2 trillion a year now on, on health care, um, you know, just, just in federal, state, and local expenditures, much less the private sector, which isn't really private anymore. I mean, that is everything from a bankruptcy standpoint, from a freedom standpoint, from a job standpoint, from a bodily autonomy standpoint. Healthcare is everything. This is why Obamacare was so important, and they promised root and branch, and here we are 10 years later, when not only didn't they repeal Obamacare root and branch, but we have the bastard child of Obamacare, which is COVID fascism. The reason we have COVID fascism is because you have the unanimity of opinion from the government corporate medicine that blocked out and censored all alternatives. That's how they were able to convince people. That's how they're able to have the death panels and box out treatment. By the way, it's horrible what's going on. We do have the first of its kind lawsuit. Dr. Paul Merrick, he's Pierre Corey's partner at the FLCCC. He was prevented from treating patients. And he works in Virginia. And this is the Centara Healthcare Systems, like 20 hospitals in Virginia. He is suing them for killing his patients. He was, um, he was having a good success rate. They prevented him from using everything, everything under the sun, including ivermectin, but other stuff, dutasteride, um, phenofibrate, everything. And everyone started, started dying. It's horrible. So how do we take this beautiful network of doctors we have and all the healthcare people that were fired and all the others that would love to join, but they have nowhere to go? I mean, look, I, I there's people in this audience. I have a dear friend of mine who's a physician assistant in a hospital in Maryland, and he got the shot. He had nowhere to run. It's like, where am I going to go? But all these people who are the most talented, how do we go and balance the playing field? What are those policies? We need to work on them. I have a few ideas, but people smarter than me need to work on those ideas. If you have ideas, if you're in that position, if you have consumable bullet points of what I could share with some of these candidates and hopefully get together in this document of healthcare freedom, that needs to be done. I mean, l let me share with you just a terrible story that exemplifies what's going on, the lack of informed consent that emanates from this government corporate fascism, which is even worse than straight government fascism, this, this venture socialism rather than plain socialism. Because, again, you have the greed of the private sector, that, but, but the government takes away the inherent check of the free market, so it's the worst of all. It's not just the power of government, but the greed of the private sector which is always greedy. But that greed is channeled to a good outcome if you don't have big government. Big government, big pharma, we're screwed with that marriage. So we need to find a way to break that marriage. But I just want to say, uh, we, we had Dr. Bruce Boris on the show. He's an internist cardiologist who owns three urgent care facilities in the, the lower Florida Keys. And he's been treating with ivermectin for over a year, saving countless lives. He had his father, 97 years old, World War II vet, on um, prophylactic ivermectin for a number of months, and he never got COVID. Never had a problem. And Dr. Bruce himself, he's, he's like 70 years old, I want to say, 70, 71. Um, had him, he, he himself is, is on prophylaxis as well, twice a week. Um, he takes 0.2 mgs per kg every Monday and Thursday. That's That's what... He, he does. That's what he told me. And I'm sure that's what he recommended to his father. But then the shots came out. And I don't know at what point he got it, but 
it's it's so sad because you think of a World War II vet. Think of American America's government back then, how they trust, you know, so a guy like that it, it very much, you know, just not up on what's going on and how things have changed. Can't believe that. Very patriotic. Our government calls upon us, you know, the Uncle Sam wants you posters. That's what he's thinking of. Well, Uncle Sam, you know, Biden and all these guys said it's your patriotic duty to get the shots. So he actually went to a place, there was a big line, and he somehow told someone he's a 97-year-old World War II vet, and I want to get it, and they put him in the front of the line, and he got it. Well, and I don't know the timeline, I don't know the details, this is just what he said at the uh, Pensacola rally, and um, you know I didn't want to bother him because he's now mourning the loss of his father. So I don't know the timeline, I don't know if he got to him to get early treatment, right, the prophylaxis stopped. So he obviously stopped taking ivermectin, well, because he has the shots. And he was told by his government that he trusted so much, harking back to World War II, that they work sp- splendidly. 100% effective from critical illness, 90 95% effective against uh, getting it. Well, he gets it, and he gets very sick, and he died. Again, I don't know the details of the progression and if and when he was treated, but I do know he stopped the uh, taking the ivermectin ahead of ahead of time and that and that story has played out so many people so many of our it it, it rips my hearts to shred because we we barely had world war ii veterans left we have lost so many due to this virus that they've um created and then to the uh, genocide of blocking treatment it is so sad we could have had every one of these people prophylaxing from day one and we would have saved 99 percent of them you know, we had Dr. Flavio from Brazil on, and he said in their prophylaxis of both ivermectin and nitazoxanide, nobody, including those who were, um, you know, had, had comorbidities, ever had a problem. And to this day, to this day, think of all these seniors that are atrophying, and if they haven't died already from atrophy, they've lost 10 years from their life, and they're cowering in their homes, they haven't gotten the virus yet, and they took the shot. They took three shots. God knows what the shots did to them. It killed a lot of them. The ones it didn't kill, who knows what it did to them. And the virus is still looming. And there's no protection. They have no protection from it. We, ne- Folks, there is no issue of my lifetime. Life, guns, taxes, regulations, tort reform. Even judicial supremacism, even illegal immigration, even crime. There's no issue that speaks. This is everything. I could not have envisioned a nightmare like this. We can't run an election and have candidates campaigning as if it's 1998 and barely even talking about COVID fascism, much less taking affirmative stances on very specific pledges. You know, one of the things I've seen, and there's actually headlines and articles, you could Google this, Republicans swinging for the fences in the legislatures on the special sessions for redistricting. And I was thinking, you know, look, I don't blame them. The Democrats certainly, they, they just introduced their map in my state of Maryland, and they, they do it where, where it benefits them. So, you know, if you have a Republican state, I'd squeeze out as many seats as I can get. I understand that. But why is it that the only issue we see swinging for the fences, swinging for the fences, is when it comes to preserving their own seats and their own power as an end to itself, but not a means to, to achieving, achieving ends. Why have they not swung for the fences on COVID fascism, on standing for our children, our seniors, the right to treatment? None of them. We could barely get any bills passed. Even where they're doing it, well, Daniel, you have to understand, this is the best we can get. It's better than nothing. What do you mean it's the best you can get? You have supermajority trifectas, and the Republicans just won in a blue state, and Biden has a 15 to 25% approval rating in most of these states. Are you kidding me? This is the best you can do? Bullcrap. When it comes to redistricting, they'll take on the political hits and the media bashing them for, you know, squiggling up districts and gerrymandering just for their power. And if anything, that looks more raw, selfish than actually standing on principle in some of these policy issues. Why is it we never get them swinging for the fence 
on the issues that matter the only time they swing and hit a Reggie Jackson 450-foot, 500-foot home run is when it comes to preserving their power. But when it comes to then utilizing that power that you got, you have permanent majorities in so many red states. Three to one, four to one, five to one in legislative bodies. And not only don't you do anything with it, not only do you strike out, you ground into a triple play and actually give the left what they want. That is what we need to change. I'm just one person, but my commitment over the coming weeks and months is to do everything I can to influence these legislative sessions and everything I can to influence the primaries and have a broad national agenda to change for the first time in my lifetime, to alter this vicious cycle of Democrats being radical, Republicans getting in, and the bad policies not only continue, but get worse under their stewardship. How do we change that cycle? And we do need a new party eventually, but the way to do that is by getting a unifying vision that's not co-opted as like the contract with America 94 by all Republicans, but separating out the good from the bad so people could know that's going to be the Patriot Party. Logistically, it's too late to, you know, too cumbersome to create a new party and get ballot access, use the GOP for ballot access, but they're going to be the Patriot Party. They represent the people because that's really what this is all about. And I know a lot of people are telling me, oh, Daniel, well, let, let's wait for the courts. Oh, I have a lawsuit. Not only is that the wrong approach, but the best way to ensure that even the more Republican type of judges will indulge your request for relief is for the states to start pushing back. Because you have to build the political momentum because it's not about the law. It's all about politics. If they see... This is the reality, and we saw this last year. When you had that clamor, that fear in March and April, there was no judge alive who was going to grant us meaningful relief, and none did, because they knew, oh my gosh, this is what the people want. you got to fight back politically, even if you want to win in the courts, to the extent you can. You know, because then they'll see, holy heck, the states are going to go their own way anyway, you know, and they're fighting back 25 states, we may as well put an injunction on this. So just strategically, it's dumb. But folks, remember, I know it is so tantalizing, it is so tempting to just sit back and relax and say, let's just vote Republican, it's better than the Democrats, and not do the hard work. But when you look at those comments from Mitch McConnell about Biden's signature issue and his comments about the clot shots and the genocide. You look at, this is from the Daily Wire a couple days ago. <clears throat> Republican National Committee announces first RNC Pride Coalition. And no, it's not Patriot Pride. They have a partnership with the log cabin Republicans. I didn't even know that was a thing to advance in advance of the 2022 elections. No, we need a candidate that's going to run on the pride and an agenda to run on the pride of our godly biblical values. That's going to run not just on the COVID fascism we mentioned, but other big picture ideas. Pro-family. That we are going to extirpate the gender-bending agenda from all law and policy. And how about another one? Not just we're going to ban critical race theory in the schools. That's obvious. But we are finally, finally, after more than a half a century, going to complete and fulfill Martin Luther King's dream to finally eradicate any distinction and recognition of race in Every and any area of policy and law. Right now, it is in every area of law. Equal protection under the law is going to mean equal protection, period. That is our agenda. There is no affirmative action. There is no discrimination. 
There's no hiring this bonuses for more, you know, this color skin. Color of skin doesn't matter ever and mean it. And if that means telling the courts to go to hell, it means telling them to go to hell. Because equal, equal protection means equal protection. Ever since I was born, and it's only gotten worse our, my entire lifetime, it's been unequal treatment. Everything is all about what, what color race. As I joked about before, the only thing in life it will ever matter, and this is not government law and policy, just medical advice, if you're a darker color skin above the 35th parallel, living above the 35th parallel, you need to take a little bit more vitamin D. That's probably the only way in life that skin color ever matters. It should never, ever matter. How hard is it for Republicans in red states? I mean, I think in blue states is a winning message. But in red states to run on that. And yet, you go to every red state and we still have all areas of policy and law. This anti-white discrimination, this, this all sorts of nonsense and identity politics. It's in every area of the various departments of health and labor and housing and environment and infrastructure, whatever you have in a given state, every policy, it flows from there. So these are just some ideas I wanted to give you. Um, Just want to close again with Operation Neutralizing Evil, just to update you all. Um, We have 7cells.com, promo code Daniel, to get nitazoxanide and ivermectin. Um, You know, again, it's not perfect. I know a lot of you are like, well, you know, I have conditions I put down and they deny me. Well, then have someone else file it without those conditions and you can get it. I mean, what do you want from me? Um, Some people don't know how to use a computer. Some people can't follow instructions. For example, you know, it's in, I believe they're in 43 states they could ship to. So what if you're in one of those seven states? Arkansas, Nebraska, Michigan, Oregon, Alabama, South Carolina, maybe there's one other. Um, they are going to be in Nebraska, in Oregon and Michigan soon. They're, they're, they're working on that. You know what? I'm sure you have a friend, relative, and someone you know and trust in a nearby state that you could have it shipped there. They, they'll, they'll ship it there. They'll prescribe to all 50 states, just they won't ship it directly. It's, it has to do with state laws. They have to get specific licensing for it, and they have 43 states. So, so someone's like, well, I don't know anyone in any... Well, what do you want from me then? Like, you know, I can't I can't help, but we're trying our best. Again, if you have a way of getting it for cheaper, if you think you can, go get it, go publicize it. But I have yet to find a way of getting it this quickly for this amount of people at this price for the um, for the size pills that we're getting. So again, um, you know, this is the way to get freedom. You have to assume this is getting bad. It's already bad in, in Colorado, in the mountain states, and it's going to migrate to other states as the winter goes on to the extent you haven't gotten the virus yet. The first thing is to remain independent. Ideally, you would have a doctor that could walk you through this, but we don't have that, so we, we have to you know do this. Um, so again, you know, feel free. Um, I have been very responsive to questions about Seven Cells, and, and even Tim, who is on the show, the manager, any issue, he's responded right away. They have been quick on the draw, but yeah, there are some limitations. Be it you know a health concern for prescribing, be it um, you know people didn't fill out the thing right, be it you're in a state where they don't ship to, you can get it shipped to another state. But like one guy's like, you know, let's say he's in a state where you can't ship to, he'll put down Florida, but his Arkansas address in and like that doesn't exist. It's not going to work. Like, yeah, what are you trying to fool? There's nowhere to. I mean. Some people just do dumb things. I can't magically get ivermectin in your house free of charge, free of anything, free of a process. I wish I can. If I were a whore like some of these other colleagues of mine that earn millions of dollars, I would completely donate and to everyone. Uh, I would do that. I obviously don't earn a lot of money doing this, so I, I can't do that. And if anything, we need help. Um, one idea we do have is... um. I'll just let you know one thing we're working on that Tim floated by me, and I'll say this publicly, is a philanthropic idea to have uh, on Seven Cells website if you do want to donate. So their margins are very slim, but for this, they'll actually make just free of any, they'll sell it at cost to our doctors. So particularly, we're trying to get nitazoxanide because the doctors don't have access to that. 
um, into the pocket because seven cells is really like the only place to get into this oxenide. But you know, it it's much cheaper than any anywhere else. The few places in America you could get it, uh, but it still is expensive. A way to get nitazoxanide to these doctors so they could help their patients with it. So they could, uh, Seven Cells could ship it to them um, at cost and just use that funding. Um, this will kind of be a not for profit uh, venture. So this is something we're thinking of. Uh, if people could donate, I'll let you know if and when we get something like that up on the website. But again, this is the freedom agenda we need to run on. We need to focus on the legislative sessions. We need groups together. You could sign up at conaction.network. We do have a team leader for Tennessee in place I'm very excited about. I'm going to be meeting with my team leaders again Thursday night. Um, folks, again, um, sign up at conaction.network if you want to be a member of one of the teams, if you want to be a team leader and help coordinate, sign up. Um, we are definitely going to utilize your services. A group of a few dozen people dogging these legislators, making demands, helping the freedom guys in the legislature promote their bills, shaming those people who don't, focus on voting records, focus on primaries, write op-eds and, and social do social media in your local area, exposing these people. They've never gotten pressure from the right, exposing them for watering down the bills. This, it is so achievable. It will change the arc of the country. We only need a few states Right? right now we have zero where we have full freedom. But it doesn't take much more to flip a few more on the electoral side, on the legislative side. We need a broad vision. I'm working on this. Uh, you know, Again, a Pledge to America style document to identify our candidates, unify a message, get people excited about it, win over swing voters. That's, you're not gonna, you know, you're more likely to win them over by an affirmative positive agenda than just the Democrats suck. Right, So that anyway, we should always be doing. This is what makes this show different than every other. No one else gives a presentation like this. Um, I know we didn't get to some of the news of the day, some of the observations, the science, the data on this and other issues, but we will again tomorrow. We'll have a special doctor on. Send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. We need you to spread the word because when you spread the word, you're not just spreading my ratings. You're actually spreading the activism and outcomes, which is what we're all about. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.